The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Hello and welcome to the show. This is season three, episode three. And today I'm here with Casey Compton. If you are a avid listener of a variety of therapy podcasts, you've probably heard her on one or more. Um, she's been uh, out speaking about her work for a number of years and helping therapists with their practices for quite some time. Um. She is a dynamic speaker, therapist, self-love advocate, and accomplished entrepreneur who has led four thriving businesses, propelling her mental health practice into multi-million dollar territory. Her journey took over a decade to uncover the transformative missing piece in her life and led her to write her latest book, in Search of You, which we'll be talking about today, um, along with many of her other accomplishments. Uh, welcome, Casey. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am, I am too. I, I would love for us to just kind of start from the beginning. You've, you've been, um, obviously, you've had a practice for quite some time, but I know I started listening to podcasts probably in like 2018 or 2019. I know I heard you on a couple of different shows, even back then, um, helping therapists to figure out how to systematize their practices and just get things um, in order from the business perspective. Um what is your background in business? Do you have a business degree? No, 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 not at all. Um, I like to tell people that I think I grew up with it just in my blood in, in some way. I don't know where it came from necessarily. Uh, growing up, my dad and my brother kind of always had their own little business going or a side hustle going. And um, maybe I picked it up from them. I'm not sure, but I, I actually have no formal training in business. I'm just very much a creative person and very much a helper. And to be able to offer a service or a product that is, is something that I believe can help people, um, just felt like that was the right direction for me. Mm -hmm. And so, would you be willing to share what types of businesses do you own and operate these days? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I still have a, my group practice. So I have a group practice mindset behavioral and opened that in 2015. Um, 
we are a very diverse group of people who work toward individual uh, specialties and certifications within the practice. Um, we are we have offices all across the state of Kentucky, and um, we have clinicians all across the state of Kentucky. So that one was the first true business. Uh, I had other businesses before that, like I had a children's boutique and little things like that, but I was dabbling at that time. This was like the first big one. Um, and then from there, I started purchasing commercial properties and I bought a rental property in South Carolina, like a, a beach house. And um, I currently still own the commercial properties and the the rental. So I, I rent that out throughout the year. Um, so that's nice. That's a good extra stream of revenue, especially in warmer you know, peaks. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can make a lot more, a lot more in that, um, in some of the other businesses during, during those seasons. So I do that. I, at one point in time had a hair salon that I did booth rent for, um, really hands off. And I realized that the, the more hands off business for me was not really my cup of tea. Um, mm. I needed a little bit more control over it and I wanted a little bit more quality and, and things that, that I just couldn't really offer. And it wasn't quite profitable. So closed that one down and turned that building into a paint your own pottery studio, which I have the shirt on today, the hip kiln. Um, Ooh, how fun. It's really fun. So we've been open a month uh, so far, 30 days and it's, it's really cool. It's a, it's a, nice little art collective. We have a retail shop in there and um, coffee and drinks and, and all the things. So as of right now, oh, and yeah, I forgot a big one. Um, the, the consulting business um, that has been around since 2018. We do individual um, but consulting, but also membership-based consulting for practice owners and people who want to grow and scale and make their business profitable. And then in 2019, I started writing and, and then in 2021, I launched, um, or 2020, I, I can't remember now, 2020, I don't even know, 2021, I launched uh, my first book, which was Fix This Next. So I've, I've got a lot of things going <laughs> right now. Um, yeah. How do you, how, how have you figured out how to create balance mm -hmm. in your life when you have such an entrepreneurial and creative spirit. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of creatives, this is a problem mm -hmm. where there's so many great ideas and we're passionate about so many different things and we get excited to get in there and get it going. Mm -hmm. Um, but then once all of the things are going, it also, there, there's a lot of demands that are required. How do you find balance with all of that? I wasn't always very good at that. That's been something, I, it's like a daily practice that I have to be mindful of. Um, when, when I first started my group practice, I went into that just guns blazing you know, like full on whatever it takes. I'm going to make it work. I've got so much to prove, you know, all that. Um, I was living completely out of balance 
both, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, all of it. I mean, it was, and I didn't even really know it at the time, mm-hmm. but I tell people it, it does catch up to you. And for me, it caught up to me with a lot of chronic health problems. Um, mm-hmm. I've developed a um, autoimmune disorder, um, had chronic migraines, um, neck backish. I mean, pretty much everything. And, and I, I had no awareness of that connection. I, I just didn't realize that I was working myself into all of these problems. Um, so over, over time, I've kind of found a rhythm and some other entrepreneurs and I that work in mental health, we, we've talked about this a lot and we just call ourselves business bipolar because we will just ride those waves. You know, when I'm in like a good energetic focused state of mind, I try to stay in that as long as I can, because I know I'm going to come out of it and then I'm going to need to just, you know, disengage. And at one point I thought I tried to fight that. I tried to, you know, I told myself like, that's not healthy. I need to be doing the same thing every day and blah, blah. That doesn't work for me. I had to just ride those waves and allow myself, give myself the permission when I wanted to just check out and disengage. I just did. And it's worked out better. And in combination with that, one of the things that I've learned to do is a lot more time blocking. And so Mm -hmm. I tell myself if I have to arrange my day in a way that if it is not done by the time I leave, I don't take it home with me. Um, And I quit taking work home with me several years ago. I just don't do it. And if it's something that I want to do or that it's fun for me, that's I'll occasionally do that. But that's been really important is just to put some structure around my schedule. Yeah. About how many work hours are you investing a week to really, you know, run all and do all the things that you're doing? Because you are doing a whole lot. Yeah, it it's really never the same. <laughs> it it depends on what's going on. Right now is is honestly crazy for me because I'm working this book launch. Um, just started a brand new business. I'm still working to line out some some of the issues we have in the current business. So you know, right now I would say I probably work about thirty thirty five hours a week. Um, but there have been times like in, in my practice where I might work two hours a week. Mm. Um, so it really just depends on, on what's going on and what the, what the priority is and what the focus is. Obviously right now my book launch and the new business is taking up the most of my time and energy and anytime something's new there it's just a baby you know so it needs a lot and you got to figure out I'm just figuring systems out figuring out what's going to work best trying to figure out what the market likes you know are we going to be profitable what do we need just a lot of that stuff going on mm-hmm. but when that when that settles out um no more than a 30-hour work week no more than a 30-hour work week managing all of those different um, entrepreneurial ventures. And what's the secret to that? Cause I feel like that is a, like most folks 
would say there's no way, like, how could you accomplish that in 30, 35 hours a week, really being the CEO for all of those different ventures that you have? Well, and that would be partially true. There's really no way I could do it. I, thankfully, I've assembled a, a team over the years that have picked up different parts and uh, responsibilities from me so that I spend most of the time now just, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I walked in the front office this morning and uh, I was just looking at the two girls and they were, they both, one started breaking out in hives and the other one was like, what, 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 do you have an idea? What? <laughs> um, so, I mean, fortunately the businesses that I've created has been able to allow me to have a good support team on that end. And so, you know, if I have, if it's a financial or a tax related or anything like that issue, I have someone I just say, hey, I need you to take care of this. If it's a marketing issue, hey, we need to get, you know, we need to fill this event. I have somebody to give that to. So it's not really like I am physically the one doing all of the work. It's mostly, okay, here, what what's the idea and how am I going to make sure it goes well? How am I going to hold people accountable and make sure it goes off well? Mm -hmm. What I really hear you saying is you're no longer doing the technical heavy lifting in your businesses that you're really operating from that CEO role. Uh oh. We're having a little technical difficulty. It looks like Casey froze. Um, hopefully she can join, um, join back. I'm just going to send her a chat and see uh, what's, what's going on. Yeah, it looks like she's um, exited. So I'm going to wait for her to hop back in the live stream and um, and we'll resume our conversation. Hopefully everything's all right with um, internet and stuff. Um, I'm really excited to chat with her about how she's you know, made that transition from working in the business to just being working on the business and having a team of people around her to support her um, goals and her vision. There she is. So sorry. Our internet the whole building just all shut off. No problem at all. So um, I just kept chatting with folks if they're listening, but what I was saying when I noticed that you froze was, it sounds like you've moved really into that position of CEO and you're no longer, you know, working in the, doing the heavy lifting and the technical stuff within your business. And, um, and what, what has helped you to really do that and make that transition? Cause I think for a lot of therapists that run their practices or other businesses that they may have, they are kind of doing the multiple roles and they never really get to that 
CEO position. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Um, I think it's a couple of things, honestly. I think 90% of it is, is the way that we think about it. So I think it's our mindset. Um, I'd say a lot of clinicians have trouble relinquishing control. Um, you know, Fair. like, how can someone else do it? I can, I can schedule someone better than they can, or I can match a client with someone better than, you know, a, a stranger that I hire. And the truth is, is you're probably right. You know, I mean, and not, not in every situation, because I look for people that can do it better than me, but sometimes that you can't always find that. Um, but, you know, at that, at that shifting point, point for me, it was more about, do I want to work a hundred, like, let's just imagine my time in general in life as a pie. And do I want to spend my whole pie working to get that 99% satisfaction rate that I'm shooting for from clients? If, if the answer is yes, then do it yourself, you know, like just keep going, keep doing it yourself. Or can I spend 50% of my time and get it at 80%? Mm -hmm. and, and so it's more about like, yeah, they might not do it perfect. Yeah, they're going to, yeah, people are going to mess up. It's going to make mistakes. But do you really, is it worth, is that, is that percent worth the time you're giving up? And for me, it was not. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not in any way, especially, you know, people who have families or which pretty much everybody, um, it just wasn't, wasn't working. And so I think it was just, it was that like, okay, I'm just going to make this decision. The second thing as talking to, um, a client earlier, who's trying to grow his practice and he was struggling with the same issue. And so we were talking about it and I was just thinking how, um, I said, look, you're at a point where if you don't get some help, you're never going to grow. Like you, mm. you are always going to stay where you are right now. And if that's what you want, fine. But I know that's not what he wants. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to bring on, you, it, bringing on another person to help you doubles or triples sometimes your capacity to produce whatever it is you're doing. And for me, people are like, oh, how can you do all these things? Well, I have I have a CFO, I have a biller, I have a receptionist, I have a marketing person, I have a clinical person. I have people, I have five versions of myself just right there. So I've duplicated mm -hmm. five times to be able to not be needed in all of those ways. And and for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it if if I was the one holding it all together. I don't want to be a linchpin. Hmm. I think that there's a lot of power in what you're saying of, of duplicating yourself of saying like, I don't, they don't have to be me, but they have to, like, I can provide them with the knowledge that they need to do the job in the way that I want them to do the job. And that eliminates you from having to be there because otherwise it's your, your business is so dependent upon you 
And that feels really overwhelming to be that person. Well, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you said that because the guy I was working with earlier, we were talking about, he was talking about his control issues when it comes to his business because for his whole um, career, and he's a PhD psychologist with the VA, um, he's always worked for himself in addition to his, his role there. And he's always, he kind of gets, you know, stuck in your ways and you have, a, and, you, and you get really good at it because you do it all the time. And so he was talking about his fear of, of giving up that c- control. And I said, well, you know, try to think of it like this. <laughs> Honestly, you have very little control over your business when you're the one doing everything because you have no control over what's going to happen to you in life. So what happens to you if you wind up in the hospital for three weeks? What happens to your business? You have no control, none. Mm -hmm. And so we talked through that a little bit and he was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're right. He said, I thought I was doing all of this to, you know, do what's best and keep my business um, in, in the best shape. But really I'm putting it at such high risk by me being the only one that can do all of this. And I'm like, yeah, you are. And when I was going through my book writing process for this book, this last uh, book that I wrote, honestly, I was in such a, a personal, I don't really want to call it a mess. Um, but I, I, it, I was struggling like personally, emotionally, I was going through a divorce. I mean, it was just, my life was super, super, super chaotic. And I was pretty much disengaged from my mental health business for two years, like almost completely. I mean, there were months where they didn't even see me Um, and it's still standing. And I think there's a lot to say about that. You know, what I did by disengaging. Yeah. Yeah. Systems. I, I, I think that's the super important and powerful message that, we, we create these businesses with the idea of we're creating freedom for ourselves. Right. But, but we, if we can't step away and have it still function and flow while we're step away, while we're giving ourselves that freedom, then we're, we're not really fulfilling the architecture that we wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's wonderful that you were able to step away and take that time that you needed to take care of yourself during a really challenging life season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, it, it really um, brought out a lot of gratitude for just my business because I thought, you know, if I, if I was still a teacher, like I used to be, I would be fired, <laughs> you know, like any other job that I could possibly have, I would no longer be working there. I would be fired. Mm -hmm. And I was just so thankful that being in business for yourself, being an entrepreneur, being, you know, in control of the decisions that you make in your own business, that it does offer rewards. And I think we need to remember that more often because that's why we did it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there was a lot happening in your life that 
was creating a transformation, a very transitional time. Um, What kind of influence did that have on the book that you're getting ready to launch or you're launching right now? It, it, it was the book, you know, (laughs) Um, I know that's not, that's, that's probably not the answer you expected, but it, it was the book. And, and I'll give you a little bit more context as I was preparing, as I was launching my first book, Fix This Next, I was in the middle of this major life transition, you know, leaving a marriage, starting a different relationship, like everything about it was just very, very um, opposite of what I like, which is just like, let's just keep keep the peace. Let's just keep the status flow. <laughs> and in my, I mean, I was just like this every day. It was like, what's going to happen today? It's what, you know, it's always just something. And so as I was launching Fix This Next, I was already experiencing all of this drama in my own life. And I couldn't even really feel appreciation or I wasn't excited. I, I didn't really feel anything when I launched that book like I like I wanted to, like I thought I should. And when I realized that, I kind of took a, a step back and started going to therapy myself. And I was like, oh, like, I don't feel anything about anything at all. <laughs> it's not just the book. It's just about nothing. Um, and I just started noticing that it was it had really seeped into all areas of my life. And I had been over-functioning and working so hard for so long that I almost think I told myself that I needed to put blinders on <clears throat> and stay focused toward the end goal, which honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know what that was. Like, I mean, I had everything I wanted, um, <clears throat> but I thought if I didn't put those blinders on, I would get distracted. I would get distracted by having fun or get distracted by feeling something or whatever. And so when I started in therapy and started taking those blinders off and like looking around at what I had created and realized that I need to do something different, um, Mm -hmm. I started um, journaling and I was doing all of these things in therapy and it took about a year for me to realize that the book that I was writing next was not going to be about systems, which it was supposed to be. Um, <laughs> it was going to be about self-love. And I had basically written the whole book through my journal entries. And so then wow. all I did, I went back and like modified it a little bit. But what you read in the book is like in the moment of my transformation, it is me writing. And, um, and it's like therapy session conversations. And, um, so it, it really became the book. Wow. That was definitely not what I was expecting at all. No, (laughs) me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But how wonderful that you were open to listening to like that natural, um, next step and not pushing it aside and staying on course with the systems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. book. 
So was the other book that was, it was supposed to be, was that like an adjunctive to fix this next? Sort of. It was like, like diving into a deeper level in, in that order component of your business. And I, I mean, the book's written. So if anyone's listening and like, it's there, I wrote it. Um, But then it just didn't feel like, like, mm -mm. because I just thought, okay, systems are so important. They help people get their lives back, get their time back, whatever. But like, what if you don't even know what to do with that time or know what to do with that life that you're getting back? Or like, what if you've lost yourself in your business too? And I just felt the urge to share this message about you can be a successful therapist, business owner, whatever, mom, and still love yourself and feel joy. Um, and with you can have both with, you can have one without losing the other. And I guess that's really what I, I felt like people needed to hear that. Cause I've, as I was sending out like little teasers and like giving out chapters to read just to see if this was something people even wanted to hear. Everybody would come back and say, Oh my gosh, it's like you're reading my journal. Like, Oh my gosh, this is sounds just wow. like me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I feel like collectively women in general struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely can see myself falling into the category of being an overfunctioner and an overperformer. And um, it's something that I am constantly examining and reflecting on and working on in my own therapy. And, you know, that that's, that was what I worked on last week of like, I need to terminate, I need to terminate with um, clients in my practice so I can open up more time so I can move more into that CEO role and have more time for like all my creative ideas. Um, like I feel like, Oh, I can't, that gets put on the back burner because I have all of these other responsibilities to attend to. So, um, that was one of the things that I was working on, like letting go. Why can't I, why am I having such a hard time? Like doing that. I know that that's the right thing. I know that that's the thing I need to be doing to move forward and make space um, for growth and expansion and what I'm doing. And, but still it was like that limitation that goes back to the core belief related to why I (laughs) over-function. I think it's that fear of failure, you know, like that fear of failure. And then, oh, if I fail, that means no one's going to love me. And if no one loves me, then what am I going to do? And and through the book, you will see my, like, I was almost more ashamed, really. I had to let that go. But I was almost more ashamed of publishing the book, not because it's very private and intimate and like, because it is. I don't really leave much out, but because I, I didn't see these connections in myself. Like I didn't realize that, oh, okay. I've been married for 10 years to this person. And ever since my grandpa died, which was about three months before getting meeting this person that I married, my grandpa died. I met this person. I never picked up a paintbrush 
for 10 years. I didn't do anything creative for 10 years. And so like being able to see all of these connections, I never grieved the loss of my grandpa and what that meant to the family and how it changed. And like, there were just so many things that because I was not giving myself an outlet to just relax and like chill and, and do something that's not outcome driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it really just like pushes that part of you down and we need that part to balance all of the other work we do in like with our left brain, you know, mm-hmm. like we need it, that balance. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, definitely can identify different times in my career where I've done that too, and not allowed myself. It's like, oh, like I would feel guilty if I took that time for myself, um, which isn't healthy and and it's not fair. Um, We all need that time to take care of ourselves and nurture ourselves. So I know we've kind of been talking about it as it relates to us, but what are some signs that people like signposts for folks that might not realize that they also are in the overfunctioning category and they are doing too much and they're investing too much in their business at the expense of their, their own self? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you feel like a squirrel, um, you know, like always like looking, like chasing what's next, what can I do if, you know, and this isn't, this isn't a blanket statement, but for people that are very easily get bought into, oh, here's this new thing. I need to implement this into my business because this will fix everything. Um, people who find themselves chasing shiny objects, um, that's, that's a big sign. And I just, told myself that was called initiative. Um, mm. <laughs> I don't know. It may be a little bit of both. I think when you catch yourself in a moment that you should feel joy and you don't, um, mm. that's a good sign. Uh, having that lack of fulfillment in general, like you feel like something's missing. Um, that's, that's also a sign. And also just how people are responding to you, I think is, is it also can be a sign, you know, if people are like, you work all the time or you're doing this all the time or whatever. um, Sometimes you got to listen to that. And in my life, you know, it, it was, I was the sole breadwinner. I mean, I, I was the only one in my household that was working and, um, it wasn't like we were struggling for money or anything, but it wasn't also like he was going to say, now, honey, you just stay home today because, you know, because I, I was the one paying the bills and I was working. And so it wasn't like people were, um, they weren't encouraging me to find balance because you see what I'm saying? Like they were, they were, they had, they're benefiting from it in some capacity, even if it was not maybe a conscious, even right. if there wasn't a conscious awareness of that. Right. Not malicious, but it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you, you do have to go to work because I have a vehicle. I have to, you know, get paid and all, all the things. So it really, it was just a different type of dynamic. And um, 
so listening and just listening and observing the ones around you. But I think more importantly, it's just that, that lack of like, when have, when was the last time that you were singing in the car? When have you laughed out loud? When do you, you know, plant uh, flowers and does that make you feel, feel good? Like it's just, it's really about just paying attention to your body. Mm, that's so powerful. Yeah. Did you find that, um, are you the type that when you do reach a goal or like a milestone in, um, your like planning, whatever you're trying to execute on, um, are you the type to reward yourself in any way, um, for reaching that, even if it's not like the full amount, like maybe you come close to it, would you give yourself a reward? Normally, no. Um, over the last couple of years, I've been trying to celebrate more uh, of those of the wins, both big and small. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of it in, continues to go back to childhood and, and how like in my family, things weren't really celebrated. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, you know, there was many years that I didn't have a birthday party um, when I got older. And so, it just, things weren't celebrated. And so that wasn't normal for me. And so to be able, like whenever I, um, f turned in my book this time of like, when I finally gave it away, I went and bought a bottle of champagne and took it home. And I'm thinking, okay, like I'm going to make, um, a habit of celebrating and rewarding myself for these accomplishments. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because I I think that's another sign mm -hmm. of the overfunctioner. You're right. That we don't tend to do that because there's some element of like, well, that's not really that big of a deal. Well, yes, that's that was me. That was. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, it's my 40th birthday. Like, why do we need to celebrate that? Like, what's you know. That's just how I always was, but I, I have tried to be more intentional and celebrate the small things and the big things, but I, that's, it's, it's something that I missed as a child and mm -hmm. a young adult, and I definitely don't want my children to feel that way too. So I think those celebrations are huge. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some of the, let's say like the top three topics that folks will connect with and find meaning with in, in search of you. We talked a little bit about, you know, self-love that mm -hmm. that's one of the main themes. Um, but what do you yeah. think people are going to connect with? I think, so the, the book is divided into five parts and um, the first part is called remember, remembering basically. And this was something that for me and for a lot of overfunctioners, I think we have a hard time, like really going back to memories because we're so focused on the future. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to remember things about the past. And so I had to work really hard 
to go back and excavate a lot of memories. But what I did was think about the people who were most influential to my growth and development through my lifetime. And there are stories um, with each one of those people. And there are a lot of themes. There are a lot of, um, I don't know, like just symbolism. And I think people are going to resonate with the relation. They're going to see it. They're going to see it in, for me. And then they're going to resonate with the type of relationship that I created with each one of those people. And I think it's going to take them back to their own memories or help jumpstart mm. their own memories. Um, and honestly, it wasn't until I did some work in EMDR that my memories came back to me. They, they were not there. Um, Isn't it amazing how it does that? I had a session uh, a few months back where in the middle of the process, I realized the memory that I had was not correct. And right. in the EMDR process, it corrected itself and it completely impacted a, a shift of like a narrative that I had had that was really holding me back. It's, I love yeah. it. I love EMDR. I know it's, it's crazy. So I think that that section um, with the stories and I call them, I'll call it characters, but um, the, the people and the people in those um, in that section, they carry through the whole entire book. So you get to see the person grow and develop and change as well as our, the way that we are communicating and the relationship that we have. I just think people are going to resonate with that a lot. Um, another thing that's, that was really helpful for me if people will do it is I have people start to think about um, their timeline, their life, their lifeline and draw out all of the big things like all of the big things that come to mind, births, deaths, marriages, divorces, graduations, moves, like, you know, things that are easy that come to mind mm -hmm. easily. And then um, I think that helping people understand why that's important and why it's important to physically put them on a timeline. Um, I think people will resonate with that once they see it. And then the third thing would be to go back in and add the little things. And so the little things are almost like, the big things are like the fence posts and the little things are like the connecting fibers of the fence. And when you see that timeline laid out with your big things and your little things, and you start to code that with emotion and transition and change and, and you like, I had so many light bulbs going off in my head for, Oh, I'm noticing behavioral patterns that I've never even realized that I do. Oh, I'm noticing why now I do this with my kids because this happened with me. Like all of the, it just all starts to come together. Um, and we use that timeline throughout all of the activities in the book and add to it and modify it. And I think what people will really resonate with is how much deeper they will understand and love themselves. Because you look at all that on paper, dang, like, this is crazy that one person can have all of these things happen in a lifetime. And here we think we're supposed to just be normal. Like, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No. So th those are, those would be my three things that I think um, 
are are gonna come come well for people that are mm. that are reading the book. I love that you've integrated um, the creative experiential throughout the the reading. I think that just helps bring things to life for people. That's why I'm an art therapist. Um, yeah, it. It, it does allow you a different vantage point when it's all laid out in front of you and you can start to see a bigger picture. Um, and yeah, just uh, it's wild how that happens. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for you now that you have kind of learned like, hey, I don't need to work so hard. I don't yeah. need to do so much. I don't need to overperform. What's mm -hmm. next for you? Well, it's funny because this is the probably one of the first times that someone has asked me that question that I don't have a firm answer for. Mm -hmm. um, my answer this time is, I don't know. Um, I feel like the author route is where I am going to, to land. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I'm just going to give myself some space and time to let everything cook <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> um, it takes me a little longer to cook things, but when I know, I know, and then I can, you know, go full on and, I don't feel like I'm ready to go full on with any idea just yet. So I'm just letting it simmer. Yeah. Let it percolate and figure itself out. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Well, for folks that want to pick up a copy of your latest book in search of you, where can they find that? You can find it basically anywhere. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, you know, all the major bookstores will have it. If you have a local bookstore that you love to buy from, um, all you have to do is give them a call and say, Hey, can you get this book into, um, your store? And, and most of the times they will, it's distributed by Penguin Random House. So it's got worldwide distribution. Um, but the easy way you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the, you know, all of the big places. Um, you can order from my website. I do have, if you're a therapist and you have therapy practice, I do have some special offers for you on the website. Um, so feel free to check those out if that works better for you, but um, it should be pretty easy to find. Awesome. And same, I'm assuming same with fix the fix this next for healthcare professionals. If folks wanted to pick up a copy of that um, also on your website, but and all the major players yep. as well. Yep. Yeah. And um, I heard that you have a free gift for listeners as well. Would you care mm -hmm. to share a little bit about what that is and how it might be helpful for them? Sure. Um, on, on the website, caseycompton.com, um, five ways to love yourself again. I think these are just pretty quick little implementations that you can do as a therapist that will help bring you closer or bring you closer back to who you really are to, so that you can experience that joy and fulfillment again. All right. Awesome. Well, 
I thank you so much for being willing to come on and uh, talk about yourself and um, with so much vulnerability and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.